Welcome to Modern Homemakers. I'm Leah Parker and I'm here with Donna Otto and we are winding down this long season of podcasting with Donna in the series called Staying. Today we're talking about staying and training the will of a child. Mm. So if this is tempts you or not tempts you but if this excites you today then you can go to the website and there is a six-part video series available that will link at the bottom of this podcast if you want to dive deeper into this content that's always so, so valuable. So mm. Donna, we're excited to hear what you have to say. Thank you, Leah. I, I, You all don't know this, but I sit across from an absolutely lovely woman who has a smile as big I don't know what could I, as big as the Mississippi River. That's how long it is. So it's very easy for me to sit here in this spot looking across at Leah. Thank you. Well, this is a subject that is very near and dear to my heart. I began teaching this topic at least 30 years ago because um, I came to understand the difference between teaching and training and I came to understand it in really the hardest way because I had very poor teaching and training. And I found myself, one, because I love to learn, and two, because I was inquisitive, and three, because the Lord had given me a gift to teach the Bible, that um, the teaching part was easy. But I was very untrained very untrained and that that caught me that caught me personally and I'm I'm saying it's 30 years ago but that would have made me older than I really was it's more like 40 years ago literally so I began this intense study of defining the difference between teaching and training and how God teaches us and how we teach and train our children and I don't want to ever separate one as one is more important than the other. They're both very important. But as an adult, then I remember feeling very cheated. Like I thought, well, I can learn this. I can read this. And, and we're talking, I remember it being specifically about memorization of the Bible. And you can learn the Bible. You can, you can start learning it now. Whatever you learn is going to add to you. You can do that any place in your life. You can be taught the Bible. You can teach the Bible. But training your will is a very different matter and not quite as easy. God teaches us as a pattern. He says, hear, my son, your father's instructions, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Teach them how to learn to be teachable. Teach your children how to learn to be teachable. We evaluate training by observing your children and how they do what they do. Now, I have a dear friend. She is in her late 20s now, the mother of a small child about to have a second child. And when she was two years old, her mother said, 
go and say hello to Mrs. Otto. And she said, I don't want to say hello. She was a very bright little girl. And her mother said, Emma Claire, go and say hello to Mrs. Otto. And that contest happened every time we were in the presence of one another. I can't tell you what a dear person she is today and how much we love one another and how we laugh over that story. But I remember watching her mother. She didn't just say to Emma Claire, it's polite to greet people. That's a teaching. That's true. It is polite to teach it. But Emma Claire was little. She was two. She was three. She did that. Oh, she did that till she was five or six. She just gritted her teeth and came over. We've always laughed about, I wonder what her little cranium was actually saying about the dark-haired, tall, severe-looking Mrs. Otto. But her mother was training her by saying, you will say hello to Mrs. Otto when you see her. Not only Mrs. Otto, but others as well. So what does your heart feel like? Is it your will? Or is it your head? Are you mad? Are you angry? These are things that often happen when our will is out of control. When it happens for all of us at every age. It doesn't matter who you are or how old you are. But the difference is if you are teaching and training your children simultaneously, they will be able to fall out of the pattern of what they've been trained to do, but get right back into it. If they just know it, the definition of teaching is building on truths, building on training with truth, imparting knowledge and principles. You're imparting knowledge and principles. The definition of training is you're directing demonstrable, observable behavior. Now, there are a lot of training books and teaching books and child behavior books who say that's not the way to do it. Well, you may decide for yourself, but I think it's exactly the way to do it. The scripture even uses the word that when we train a child up in the way he should go. Now, that is not to say we train him up to be exact square and you put him in the square and that's how he's going to turn out. But you have trained him to do the things that will not depart from him, even if he chooses to go against that will. In Psalm 71, 17, he said, O God, thou hast taught me from my youth, and I still declare thy wondrous deeds. So the goal is to train integrity, purity, virtue, honesty, trustworthiness. My father-in-law, in his late 50s, sold a house in Wisconsin, and they had always had a temperamental furnace. My mother-in-law used to say, I thought we'd die in the night, be frozen, the heat would go off. She was a little dramatic. But Dad would go down to the basement and kick the furnace or wiggle the furnace, and everything went well. And he sold the house, and they were about to close the house, and the man who was buying the house did not know the furnace was tricky. And Mother said, one day... She saw the man drive up with a new furnace, and Dad had ordered a new furnace to put in that house before they moved out. Now, she had a little gesture about it saying he should have done that earlier, but he had been trained 
Not because someone said, here's a teaching, don't sell property, you might get caught, you might be legally held responsible for it. Today, we have all sorts of laws and final inspections and final, final inspections to make sure that the man who's selling the house will not mess the deal up by bringing a bad furnace. But Dad Otto had been trained that you do the right thing, and that's a very different different aspect. Right is right no matter how few people are doing it, Wrong is wrong, no matter how many people are doing it. We see that in our culture all the time. We've been given permission to do that. So the training part is the don't touch things that don't belong to you. Don't steal things that don't belong to you. Uh, Stop when the stop sign says stop. Uh, take care of other, take care of your possession, take care of other people's possessions. You just know it. You've been taught that it's the right thing to do, and you've been trained to do it. Teaching gives us knowledge. Training gives us a skill. Teaching fills the mind. Training shapes the habit. Teaching gives the child what he does not have. Training enables the child to make use of what he possesses. We teach with words. We train speaking. We teach a biblical truth, but we must train how to find truth for ourselves. And both must be present, for one will fail without the other. And we usually come to motherhood being stronger in one than the other. So you can see how now I did not have the training part as a child, and then when I had a child and I'm a teacher, I was stronger on the teaching and weaker on the training. And when I discovered that this training, I'll I'll tell you how I first discovered it. This will include Elizabeth Elliot and her grandchildren, and her oldest grandchild is now about 44 years old. And she was talking to her daughter, Valerie, about taking the baby to church. Wow, this is a hot button in the 21st century. We need the church to provide child care. We need the church to have a waiting room in the, that we can hear the sermon and see the sermon. These are things that we, we like, we'd like to have in our church. In those days, you didn't have it. And if you wanted to go to church, you took your children with you. And that wasn't always easy on mothers. And a lot of you will say, I didn't hear sermons for four years until I trained my children to sit still. But what she was just describing to Valerie, with uh, he was four or five months old, little bitty guy. Put him in your lap and take your arms and put a circle around him with your arms. And practice this during the week. And when he starts to move out of the circle, he can do anything he wants to in the circle. When he starts to move out of the circle, draw him back in. And I remember thinking, that can't work. That can't work. And But it did work. And I watched it work with many children. And I trained many women who learned that that training was exactly the part of raising a child that is probably the hardest part. We train a baby to fall asleep in their bed, in a swing, in the back seat of a car, in their beds, in your arms, in your bed. We train children to do that by letting them do it. We train a child whether to sleep in the dark or the light or the quiet or the noise. 
We train them to do that. They will learn to fall asleep. Training covers all areas like sleeping, waking, laughing, crying, eating, drinking, talking, treatment of others, sitting still in church. And these things are important to um, the raising of a child, the training of their goals in life. Some things are rote memory. Hello, my name is Abigail. Nice to meet you. Uh, these things are a part of tucking your shirt in. Now, today we have untuck it, so we don't tuck our shirts in anymore, boys or girls, but that's a matter of fashion. What is a matter of learning good uh, body, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, body care, so that we don't have bad odor, we don't have dirty teeth, our hair is washed. These things are done not because a child wants to do that, but because they're trained that this is the way we take care of the bodies that God has given. Now we teach them how to do that. Do you wash your hair once or do you wash your hair twice? Do you put cream mints on it or don't you put cream mints on it? Do you file your nails? Do you paint your nails? These are things that vary and we teach them their choices, but we train them how to do it. So training is to do, teaching is to know, training gives a skill, teaching gives knowledge, and training shapes our habits training the child in the way he should go. I think this is a very important fact because we train long before we teach. And the thing I just mentioned was really uh, an amazing, uh, what shall I say, a recurrence until I began to say to women, all right, so what are you doing? And how often are you doing it? And then try this. And I discovered that women who said to me, my child will not go to sleep unless. It wasn't the child's desire. It was the mother who was unwilling to take time to train to do the same thing until it was a habit. Now, I understand. I truly understand. We are very busy people, and so many mothers are working outside of the home now. And when you come home from a long day's work, and then there's a meal to be had and some family to be spent, and training to be done at the end of the day, that's very, very difficult. But I tell you, the difference between teaching and training is something that has to be a part of what moms and dads do. The goal is training and rearing. Uh, they don't need um, to understand that they are secure or beautiful or educated or they have physical, physical prowess. I think they don't even need to feel safe. Now, when I'm talking about basic human needs, yes, safe from a murderer or marauder, but when I'm talking about do we have unsafe situations that we all must encounter? If you travel outside of this country, if you're looking at the news right now with the Israeli-Hamas war that is going on, that is not a safe place. But sometimes we end up in unsafe places. And if we train a child that they cannot survive unless they are in safe, I'll tell you one of the things that I remember clearly about this lesson was helmets. 
safety helmets for little children so they didn't fall down and bump their heads. Now, I think you should wear a helmet if you're riding a motorcycle. I think you should wear a helmet if you're learning to ride a bike and you're a little unsteady. But the fact that every child would run around with a helmet on because they might fall and bump their head only made me think we're not raising tough people, we're raising people who don't know what to do with a little fall. I'm not talking major. So the goal is obedience and uh Holy obedience it comes to us through holy parents. I remember a gal used to call herself the holy mama, and she said, I'm the holy mama, and I want my kids to recognize what holiness was. God has not changed the world, but he has allowed the world to be a place where he can change mankind. So begin with love the Lord your God, and honor your mother and father. Those are the things that they need to understand are teachings and trainings. How do you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind? Both the Old Testament and the New Testament calls for both. And how do you honor your mother and father? There are no rules in that book. It doesn't say you honor your mother and father by having a soft voice. You honor your mother and father by telling them exactly what you think. You honor your mother and father. You honor your mother and father by being taught by them, and you're learning, as an adult especially, how they need and what they need to be honored. You know what dishonor looks like. And as a child, your mother says to you, you will not speak to me that way. And then... A child says, yes, I will, and yells and screams and does what they want. That child needs the training of saying, you will not speak to me that way. The subjects are always open for discussion, but you will not speak in that tone. Mary Slessor, who was a missionary um, in the early 1900s, she said, half of the world's sorrow comes from the unwisdom of parents. Parents who cannot take the time, will not take the time, cannot see the difference between teaching and training, the essentials, which are the must-dos in life. My husband was a tax attorney in his career. You must pay your taxes. You must pay your taxes. You must die. You must, there are some must, you must drive the speed limit. If you don't drive the speed limit, you will get a ticket or cause an accident. There are musts in the life of all of us. And then there are very specifics in training a child, uh, specifically who that child is. The will is the deepest part, uh, the deepest place in a human being, says George MacDonald. And that will can be the king of the emotions, or it can be the servant of the emotion. A strong will versus a stubborn stubborn will. There's a very strong difference between a strong will and a stubborn will. A stubborn will which will not bend, and a strong will which knows when one needs to bend. Anyone can do what he wants to do. Anyone can do what they want to do. But the one who does what they don't want to do, what they have to do, what is the right thing to do, will lead a productive and fruitful life. Again, the difference between training and teaching. When a child is born, it is the only time in the whole world, in the moment of birth, that he is less like anything, anyone else, than he will ever be in his whole life. In that instant, he is like that. 
I was privileged to be at the birth of both of our grandchildren. And I, I remembered thinking about that thought. Look, there is Samuel. He has a name already. And his mom is holding him. The cord's been cut. He's like minutes old. And he's had no forming. He doesn't know his name. He doesn't. If anything, he's mad because he left the womb. You know, talk about a will that's already there. Do they cry? Why do they cry? Because they're cold. Because they just left this safe, warm, wet place where nobody bothered them. And now there's noise and lights and brightness. So remember that the will is something that can be trained. The measure of the will is the measure of personal power. The possession or lack of willpower is the possession or lack of personal power. In every sphere of your life, that is correct. And in every sphere of their child's life. So it is a duty for parents to come to this recognition and make time to train the will of a child, to decide what course of action, to choose what it is that pleases God, not what pleases you, not what pleases your husband, not what pleases your child. Now, there's a very insignificant word that comes here between the difference between training the will or breaking or crushing the will. Now, we break or crush the will with how we train the will of a child. We train the will of a child with love, with care, with knowledge of God's word, with value to that person. My friend did not devalue her little girl because she didn't want to say hello to Mrs. Otto. She kept saying to her, Emma Claire, it's very important that you learn to say hello to people. Say hello to Mrs. Otto. She never made Emma Claire feel that she was less than. She was just making sure that she understood that in their household, we were respectful of adults. Breaking causes pressure. This is that authority control. You will not do as I say, not as I do. You will do as I say, not as I do. I did this to my own daughter. I remember thinking, you have to do the right thing even if I don't do the right thing. And that's all right to say in that way because I am still learning myself. Training is bending. It's allowing choice to be made in a proper way. It's the recognition that there are consequences. God tells us up front <clears throat> that he loves us and he tells us what he wants us to do. He tells us that we should choose wisely. Do not teach or train your children that if they choose wrongly, they will be crushed, that they will be severely disciplined. Do not make them afraid for the places that you are training them, where you are bending them. Give them a safe place for choosing the right thing. Give them a safe place when they have chosen the wrong thing, that there are consequences for choosing the wrong thing. Training the will is not breaking the will. Please hear me say that. Training the will is not breaking the will. The measure of willpower is personal power. Right or wrong, use measures a person. Guiding and guarding a child is the responsibility of a parent. Training and teaching for God's will, not your will or their will, 
will be manifested uniquely in each child. How many times, thousands of times, have I heard a mother say, I tried it with my first child and it worked fine, the second child didn't work. Well, it didn't work because they're two different, entirely different children. And mama, you've got to mold into that. You've got to know that child. Ask God to give you understanding and teaching. Understand watching, carefully listening. I, I remember learning for myself that at night, if you hear crying in your child's room, as I heard in my daughter's room, that you could learn to distinguish what that crying was about. I remember thinking, should I go into her room because she's crying, or should I leave her? My mother would have left me, but I went in. And my daughter was so happy, I can still remember. She was seven or eight years old, and she had had something happen at school that day, and she was just sad over it. I had to learn to listen to her, to watch her, to observe her, to know what personality God had given her, what strengths she had, what interests she had. That's my job. And when I know these things, the willingness to be trained is greater because it's done with a loving, long-suffering, patient heart. The common definition of a leader is someone who makes you do what you do not want to do so you will become what you want to become. And I think it's a good definition for a parent. You make your children do things they do not want to do, so then when they are grown and gone, they will become what they want to be. Uh, training involves example, management, and teaching. Training involves uh, examples, management, and the definition of teaching, the strong words of teaching. Uh, I said earlier there are musts and absolutes. The Yale president of Yale University, which we visited this summer with our granddaughter, said the chief advantage of the college curriculum is that it trains a young man to do what he ought to do when he ought to do it, whether he wants to or not. I find that colleges have less severity in them these days because the people who are sending their children to college often have given their children permission to do pretty much what they want to do. <clears throat> the household of Christ is one that learns to obey in this first church they ever go to, which is your home, and your, you and your husband as parents are the first pastors they will ever see, and they will see a God who they will learn to love by watching you, their parent. A child is not trained to accept essentials, must, the have-tos, will grow to hate his mother and father. The proverb says to spank or not to spank is uh, to train the will of a child. The rod is the rod of protection. Unmanageable habits abound. I hear wives ask me, why doesn't my husband stop doing this? Well, <clears throat> when no self-control, self-denial, um, or essential must are taught, then we learn to be out of control. Self-control is as important part of an adult as anything you will ever find. Psalm 71.7 says, Training for self-control is exercising self-control for him. By his will and enforcer, subdue his will for him so he will learn how to subdue it for himself. It is a picture 
a metaphor of our life that God has given us in his word. <clears throat> I think I mentioned recently Susanna Wesley, who had 19 children of 25, 25 deliveries, and she trained her children in this manner in everything they did. When they ate, how much they ate, they were very poor. They were not special helpings, and I get the last bunch. Can you imagine 19 of them around the table? <clears throat> when I was a girl um, living in the city of Chicago, my father would occasionally take us in the evening to Lincoln Park. We're not far from Lincoln Park. We lived in the city. And Lincoln Park is a beautiful park right on Lake Michigan, <clears throat> in and out, trees and grass and places to ride swings, but lots of green grass. So my father would lay a pillow and a blanket on the grass and watch us run and play. And I loved running barefoot in the park. And then one day, my mother said, you can't take off your shoes. And I, I, was, I was dumbfounded. And she had found a piece of glass in the grass. And she told me I could not take off my shoes. And I never could take off my shoes from that point on. Now, that's a small story, but it's a very vivid story in my life. That was her fear that I might cut my foot. And she took away something that was really important to me. She didn't understand how important it was to me. I didn't understand at the moment, except I was cranky about it. But there was a freedom about Lincoln Park, living in the city where there's lots of concrete and lots of dirt and lots of, lots of places you can't run barefoot. Okay? It's not, there are a lot of places you can't run barefoot. In the park, you can run barefoot. And now I was being told that I could not run barefoot. But it wasn't to protect me. It was because my mother was fear-based. So I think that I... Mm, I there are a couple of other subjects. I, I think I'll, I'll mention two other subjects that I think are important in the training of a child. The first one is gluttony. And that's quite a hot subject in our culture today. Uh, gluttony. The disease of gluttony, uh, the obesity factor in the American culture is completely out of control. And yet we don't see much talking about we should stop eating, more. we should eat less. If anything, I think if you watch your television and you see commercials, we have gone the opposite direction. We are now um, saying our advertisers should be bigger and bigger and bigger and we are now saying here's another way to lose weight and then on every commercial especially during a long football game we're advertising more food more mouth-watering delicious food so gluttony which the scripture speaks to us about is something that's very important to the human body and saying no to the second cookie when your little boy is looking at you, but mama and I love your cookies, may be hard for you to do, but teaching a child the difference between moderate eating and obese eating. In the screw tape letters, the gluttony of delicacy um, is talked about. I want to read this quote to you. The old woman can be gauged by the way in which her belly now dominates her whole life. The woman is what may be called the all-in-I-want state of mind. All she wants is a cup of tea, properly made, or an egg, properly toasted. 
but she never finds any servant or any friend who can do these simple things properly because her properly conceals an insatiable demand for the exact. And the exact is never enough. Gluttony is an issue in our world today, and I think that mothers and fathers should be aware of it. And the second thing I want to mention is about faith. Parenting is about a life transfer. They see you live your life. They hear you live their life. They see you model how to live their life. You can't say to them, uh, do not tell a lie, and then you lie in front of them without their having a question as to who to listen to. Um, I would encourage you to read Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 14 through 19, that talks about the rewards and punishments, about the choices that I make. Choices matter. I know Leah mentioned the Choices Matter series, which is a video series, one of which I'm very proud of. I'm not, not particularly glad of how I looked in those days, but the material is sound biblical teaching on raising children. There are four sections of that series, who you are as a woman, wife, mother, and homemaker. Courtesy. Courtesy is something that we are trained in, not just taught about. You're trained to ask questions. You're trained to answer questions. You're trained to look someone in the eye. You're trained in self-denial. Do you say thank you to people? Do you write a note of thanks? Do you write an email of thanks? Do you write a text of thanks? Or do you just take something and barely say thanks? These are things that are training, and you, the mother and father, decide what's important. But don't ask your children to send thank you notes for everything they get, and then not send thank you notes for yourself. And then the last one I would say is prayer. Prayer is, by all circumstances, something anyone can do. There are, if I'm right, the number is something like 2,400 and some prayers in the scripture. A sentence of prayer. The Psalms are all prayers. There are places, books full of prayers written by people all throughout history. So praying is not something you have to spontaneously do or you have to have a bit of information about. You can read anyone's prayer and pray. But you need to have an awareness that you pray in front of them, for them, about them, and you listen to their prayers. This is very important to a child who's going to raise himself to understand the importance of prayer. Not the importance of God only, but the importance of prayer. I'll never forget the mama who said at her house no one was ever hungry or thirsty until mama was finished with her prayers. And the last thing I want to say to you, as children have rules, they have their own rules, um, they're not the rules we like. I like it. It's mine. If it's in my hand, it's mine. If I can take it from you, it's mine. If, it had a, if I had a little while ago, it's mine. It's mine. It must never appear to be yours in any way. And if I'm doing or building something, all the pieces are mine. If it looks like mine, it's mine. Now, you know that's true about children. They're playing with Legos, and all the Legos are theirs, and nobody else can do anything. But they learn to define, when they learn to define with reasonable ways to be um, under control about what is theirs and what is not theirs. 
when it comes to food, when it comes to belongings. So make sure in your training that it is definable. It's simple, it's clear, and you have eye-to-eye contact. It's reasonable. Reasonable is making sure it's something your child is capable of accomplishing. It's enforceable. That means you are consistent enough to enforce it. If you tell them go in there and clean their room and you never come back and say, how is your room cleaned? What does it look like? They're not following what your home requires. Well, how will they ever know whether what they're learning is valuable to you? So it's enforceable, which means you have to be consistent. How long do they need to spend cleaning their room? Has it been inspected? Don't allow the arguments and protestations of saying, let me, let me, let me explain, let me explain, let me tell you why I didn't do what I didn't do. And lastly, there are consequences. She's not unruly. She's not jumping down, up and down, and saying terrible things. But she's rolling her eyes at you. Is that unruly? Can you train a child to stop rolling her eyes at you? Yes, mother. You can train a child to do that. Remember, it is never too late. It's never too late if you are a mom listening to this today, if you are a dad listening to this and say, and it's too late, he's 14, his room is a wreck, he's rude. It's never too late. And the first thing that a mom or dad needs to do if they recognize that they are not distinguishing between teaching and training, that they have given up on training and let the children do whatever they will or desire to do, that the later years of their life will be problematic because of it. Go to them, mom, go to them, dad, go to them, parents. Ask for forgiveness that you had not made time to distinguish the difference between teaching information and training their will, and you want to begin right now. Teaching and training is a staying matter. It doesn't happen because you say it once, It doesn't happen because you train it once. It happens that you stay in the mix of teaching and training the will of your child. Thank you, Donna. Thank you for those words of wisdom and um, just reminders of that we are not done yet as parents or, you know, there's never a done point, I guess. We can keep going. Um, Just a reminder, if you've been listening to the podcast for any amount of time and you've listened to maybe 10 podcasts, we are offering you our Living Life as a Stay-at-Home Mom book for free. If you go to the homepage and fill out the pop-up, we will send you one of these books. We also have Advent candles and books available on the website under Holiday Resources. We are modern homemakers, and remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Make today uncommon by staying and training the will of your child with the love of God.